Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. What does it mean for us to see and accept unexpected gifts? Is there even such a thing as freely given gifts in which we don't feel some kind of obligation to return a gift or fulfill other related or unrelated expectations? Today we will explore the gifts brought by the Magi who give not within any expectations or even hopes, but so faithfully, freely, and generously that today it might leave us asking, is it too good to be true? In this week's message of the week, we hear from Pastor Jen Tyler as we begin our Gifts That Keep Giving series. She shares from Matthew 2 and challenges us to see unexpected gifts during unexpected times. Here is the First Church Message of the Week. Friends, let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, as we continue in this time of worship, we ask that you would help us to be fully present in this space and in this time, that we would be present here with open ears, that we might hear your voice more clearly, with open eyes, that we might see you more clearly, and open hearts, that we might love you more deeply, as you rid us from any and all distractions, so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So Pastor Bryce alluded to this. Today, on this weekend that is closest to the 12th day after Christmas, which falls on January 6th, we are celebrating the holy day of Epiphany. Um, Epiphany is this name for the holiday in the church when we remember, among other things, the arrival of the wise men or the magi who followed the star to visit the newborn baby Jesus. And many of you probably already know this, but I thought I always love to explore a bit what the word epiphany means or represents for us. Uh, When I hear the word epiphany, I think of a couple of things. Probably many of you know what an epiphany is, right? When we have that sudden, clear thought or realization that you have when something finally starts to make sense. My favorite explanation of an epiphany, though, it doesn't come from a dictionary. It's not a real definition, if we're honest, but it comes from a movie. Uh, None other than the 1991 film Captain Hook, of all movies. Uh, And in this movie that tells the story of the adult Peter Pan who finally returns to Neverland, Captain Hook in this movie says... All the jagged parts of my life have come together to form a complete and mystical whole, an epiphany. When the jagged or imperfect parts of our life come together to form a complete and mystical whole, I wonder if maybe he didn't a little bit hit the nail on the head that that's how life is sometimes, isn't it? or at least it can feel that way. I think most of us have a bunch of jagged parts in our lives within or all around us. They don't seem to come together the ways that we long for them to much of the time, but every once in a while, they come together just right anyway. And it is then, in those moments that they do, that we have an epiphany. And I like this definition, especially on a day like today, because really that's what we're celebrating in the Christmas story, isn't it? We are celebrating that the jagged parts of this world have all come together just perfectly enough for the Christ child to be born. 
Those parts came together perfectly enough for Mary and for Joseph in their imperfect story of needing to travel to Bethlehem. And the celebration of Epiphany reminds us that it came together and continues to come together for others as well. Specifically for those few wise men who traveled all the way from the east to meet Jesus and honor the Holy Family. That's what our story is about today, and I want to read this story of Epiphany from Matthew chapter 2 in the first 12 verses. The text says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem and Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Here ends our reading today. Often, when we think of the story of the Magi coming to Jesus, we focus on the giving of the gifts that they give and the many reasons that they might give the odd ones they did. The tradition of giving and exchanging gifts, either for a specific holiday like we have today or for many other reasons that we do so, this tradition of giving and sharing gifts is dated back all the way to the earliest of humans. As I learned this week, the scientists have reason to believe that even cave women and men exchanged gifts through goods. Some of us, though, we're better at this gift-giving thing than others, aren't we? Uh, some of us feel all the pressure to want to get that perfect, thoughtful, fitting, and fun, but also practical gift to show those that we love that we really care. Some of us love to give gifts and have that love language maybe of gift giving, or you just are that person who all year long is looking for gifts, and somehow you manage to buy a gift in January that you're not going to give until December, and you still only buy that one gift. I don't know how you do that. I tend to just add them up. 
some of us struggle with what to, not as much what to give, but maybe how much to spend or how do you figure out what's going to be enough when the love or care we have for an individual cannot be measured? Related to that, perhaps, is the challenge of graciously receiving gifts. Some of us are really bad at that. You might smile and say thank you and really be truly be grateful, but in the back of your head, you're also wondering, gosh, they spent a lot more than I did, and or they put a lot more effort into it than I did, or gosh, that's a lot more thoughtful than the gift card that I bought. And we struggle with the exchanging of gifts in many of these ways, don't we? Imagine I'm not the only one who related to that also has memories from childhood of gifts that you particularly loved or maybe didn't, or who had moments of being unsure of what to get someone because either your relationship was strained or you didn't know how much to spend, or maybe there's someone you love who is just really difficult to buy for because every time you come up with an idea that you realize they've already picked it up for themselves. The tension that surrounds gift giving, I think, is well shown or executed or explained in a show that I love to watch. Maybe some of you also love The Big Bang Theory and have watched this. Okay, I see some smiles and some shaking heads, so we're kind of in between here today. I personally love The Big Bang Theory, and in it, two of its main characters, Penny and Sheldon, are neighbors across the hall from each other. And in an early season, Penny comes up to her neighbor, Sheldon, and she brings Christmas gifts. And he's like, oh, no, we don't do that. We don't have a tree up. And she says, that's fine. I'll put them under mine and save them for Christmas so you can have them. To which Sheldon replies to her in all seriousness, because this is very much Sheldon's character. He says, you know, Penny, you haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. Pretty intense response, isn't it? But if you fast forward a few scenes, even if that's a bit relatable, we see that Sheldon knows that that Penny's going to give him a gift every year, whether he wants that obligation or not. And so he works out a plan to get around what's happening here. You see, Sheldon's problem is that he doesn't want Penny to buy a more expensive or more bigger, better gift than him because he doesn't want to be indebted to her. Nor does he want to buy her a bigger, better gift, for she she should not have to be indebted to him. And how do you make gift giving equal? So Sheldon creates a plan. And instead of picking a gift in advance, Sheldon picks several gifts. And he fills his bedroom with gifts of all shapes, sizes, and values to give to Penny and hides them in his bedroom and waits to see what his gift is until after he's opened it. And once Sheldon has opened his gift, he plans to go into his bedroom and pick exactly the right one to make sure they are equal to present her with the gift. It's kind of a lot of work for a silly gift giving, isn't it? But I wonder, in this extreme example, if anyone might relate a little bit to the strain or the tension that comes in the giving and receiving of gifts. Not because we don't love the traditions or ways we do that, but in part perhaps because of the way this commercialized gift-giving season that's now technically come and gone at Christmas or the other holidays around it, I find that some of the questions represented in, in these scenes are ones that we carry with us. Because we can 
perhaps see with a bit of time and space between us that sometimes freely given gifts don't feel like they're so freely given after all. Sometimes we wonder if there even is such a thing when we wonder about that economic rule, right? About how there's really no such thing as a free lunch. And I mean that, by the way, in the gentlest way possible, but whether it is a gift given on a birthday or holiday or a friend that you go to lunch with who says, don't worry, I've got the tab, this one's on me, and you quickly reply, okay, well, I'll get the next one, right? Sometimes when it comes to the giving and the receiving of gifts, we often function in a way that looks more like an obligation than like generosity if we really break it down. And yet we know better than that. And this is important for us to realize because the very basis and foundation of our faith is about the giving and receiving of gifts that cannot be measured, that cannot be repaid, that cannot be matched with equal generosity or worship or giving on our behalf. The story of the Magi today is one of many examples in scripture of the importance of giving gifts and of knowing that they are freely and lovingly given both to us and from our, the Lord our God. You see, in Matthew chapter 2, the story we just heard, we know that the Magi were perfect strangers to Mary and Joseph and Jesus when they began their travels from the Far East. Eventually, they made their way to Bethlehem to greet the Holy Family and meet Jesus. And it is upon finally greeting these strangers that the Magi traveled so far from to meet, yes, Pastor Bryce on camels, that they then, first and foremost, when they arrived, we are told they began to worship him. They bowed down and worshiped. Worship, by the way, that was not something they came to gain anything from, but purely to give. To give because God is worthy and God is good. And so upon worshiping God, they offered even more still as they offered these gifts that they brought of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Gifts fit for a king. Gifts that they were honored and privileged to offer. Gifts that they had no expectation of, return, of receiving anything in return except for the opportunity to have given them. These gifts were generously and freely given because they could and because there is joy in the giving. And it makes me wonder, as we think about our own giving and ability to receive of gifts, if someone that you have never met before showed up here today with a generous and abundant gift or three for you and simply said, I want you to have this because you are loved you are worthy, and you deserve to have generosity and kindness lavished upon you. And so they give you the gifts and they walk away. How do you think you'd respond to that? Because I personally would love to say I'd be gracious and all the things, but probably in reality, I'd deflect it a little. Maybe I would return their generosity with wanting to give them a gift of sorts, or maybe I would respond similar to how, you know when you get a really well-written thank you, and it's so nice that you want to write a thank you for the thank you, but you know that's obnoxious, right? I can't be the only one who's ever thought that. 
Maybe it's a little like that. Maybe, maybe I would do it a little different and say, oh my gosh, this is such a thoughtful and kind gift. I would love to pass it along to someone who needs it more, right? But gifts are not about what we need. Gifts are not about how much it costs. Gifts are truly about generosity and grace and about seeing something good and wanting to celebrate it. And perhaps most of all in this story of the wise men, these gifts are meant to be representative for us of an example of the kind of generosity and grace that God wants to give to us. Because similar to strangers showing up and offering you unexpected, generous, and abundant gifts, That's a little bit how God is to each and every one of us every day, isn't it? Each and every day, God wants you to receive the gifts offered to you. Gifts of assuring you that you are beloved. Gifts of assuring you that you are worthy of being lavished upon. Not because we deserve the gifts that God gives us, by the way, but because God loves you and wants you to receive them anyway. Gifts like God's grace that's given to us in our best of moments and in our worst ones. Gifts like God's forgiveness that is offered to you no matter what you have done or failed to do. There are important, life-giving, essential gifts like forgiveness that truly are free to you if we are willing to receive them. But that's a hard one to receive sometimes, isn't it? It's a hard one to believe that maybe we are worthy of forgiveness or it's hard to grant forgiveness when someone has wronged us. And it's hard to receive these gifts, not because we are sure that we did something right all the time. We deserve these gifts not because what we did wasn't too bad or not because what you failed to do wasn't that big of a deal. Those kinds of details are not what really matters. What matters in the receiving of these gifts from God is that we know that God wants you to receive them freely because God gives them freely and generously and abundantly purely because God is one of love who longs to be in relationship with you. God to put it another way, wants to take all of the parts of your life, the seemingly perfect and well-groomed ones, right alongside the jagged-edged ones too. And God wants to bring them together to form a new kind of whole. The kind of whole that assures us that whether you have come to worship today from far, far away by camel, I doubt it, sorry Bryce, or whether you have come from a place of deep faith and you hunger to be here in community, not being able to wait from one week to the next to return, whatever you bring here with you today, I think God wants you to know that it's enough and that God and we are glad that you are here and that God wants to meet you in the place that you are to assure you of God's goodness and abundance that are never, ever too good to be true and that are never, ever out of reach. Because God is always with us, all around us, and always available to us. It is up to us, though, to receive these gifts. And so as we reflect on the miracle and the celebration of the Magi finally making it to the Holy Family to, put, to give to them gifts and to worship them, 
May we reflect on this story by giving thanks for the jagged parts of this world that came together perfectly for the Christ child to be born, and perhaps that continue to come together perfectly for us here today as well, bringing us to this time and this place and this community. Friends, as we rest and give thanks for this truth, may we find rest and joy in the unexpectedness of these gifts offered to us in ways that aren't always anticipated and cannot always be measured, but are always with us nonetheless. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Holy and loving God, we give you thanks for the abundance of your immeasurable gifts. We thank you for these weeks to come in which we get to explore the gifts that you keep giving to us, whether we are ready to receive or not. May you open us anew this day, this season, this year, that we might truly be open to drawing closer to you and your Holy Spirit that leads and guides us. Let us be open to the jagged and unexpected parts of our life that they might come together to work for good and to honor you with all that we say and all that we do. May it be so, O Lord our God. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.